Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 231, where we're going to take a deeper look at the storytelling of Navi River Journey. Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. So welcome back. So glad to have you here with us today to continue our storytelling series where what we are doing in each of these episodes is taking a look at different Disney attractions through a storytelling lens to try to get a better idea of what are the Imagineers trying to tell us? What are different pieces of the story that we can pick up so that the next time you write it, you will have a better experience. And I think we may have our work cut out for us. A lot of people have some very strong feelings about this attraction, but we're going to do our best. We're going to go in this unbiased as possible. We're going to talk about what the story is being told to us in Navi River Journey. What do you think? Well, I think it is important to keep in mind that with this storytelling series, we are trying to be fairly unopinionated. I don't know if we do a very good job at that, but, you know, we are trying to look at it from the perspective of next time we write it, maybe we'll have a greater appreciation for it because I'll be the first one to say every time this ride comes up, this is one that we, I'm, I'd say 85, 90% of the time we skip it just because in Animal Kingdom, this is not at the top of our list of favorite things to do because, you know, it falls into that category of being what some people would label like a snooze fest. And I think that's a shame because in looking at the ride and thinking about the message, I do think it plays an important role to Moara and Pandora. So I think that's what we need to look at today. And that's what our focus is going to be. So I had a couple of caveats that I wanted to lay the groundwork so that we're all on the same page and maybe we can have a more productive conversation about this attraction. A, you can't hold the wait time that this attraction normally has against it. This is a similar conversation that we had to seven doors. Mind train is that it's not the rides or the story's fault that people seem to line up for this. And then you get into a discussion of, is it worth it? Is the payoff, you know, are you getting what the time investment that you put in? I think that's a slippery slope to get down. If we're just looking at it from a storytelling, let's just assume we all got a fast pass for this attraction Okay. for the sake of this conversation. And the other part is the source material. I've seen Avatar. I think I've seen it twice. Not my favorite movie. Have you ever seen it? I think I've seen it once in high school. And I also think I fell asleep (laughs) while watching it because it's a long movie. I don't do great with long movies or action movies. Um, I do have a tendency to fall asleep if I sit down for too long. So I've seen it. I can recognize some of the things and I appreciate like the beauty behind the movie, which is, I think, why, um, you know, Disney partnered with James Cameron because of the beauty and the message behind the movie. But no, I'm not an avid Avatar fan. I, I will not be the one to say this. 
I'm not saying this next part, just so (laughs) we're all on the same page. It is not just Pocahontas retold. I'm definitely not saying that. You're definitely not saying that. No, I did not say that. No. Okay. But it could be. Some people might say that. But I want to try to put that aside as well. But that kind of leads me to the first discussion of how did Pandora as a whole a little bit come to fruition? There was a lot of moving parts if you think about the theme park industry and if you think about Animal Kingdom on how it came to be. And one of the first things is this idea of Beastly Kingdom. And we have hit on Beastly Kingdom in the past, mainly in our Expedition Everest episode of when we talked about that originally there is going to be this expansion to Animal Kingdom that was showcasing the mythical creatures of nature. So things like unicorns and dragons and other things. Of this, anything else that's mystical. <laughs> anything else. And this ultimately became the replacement for what Beastly Kingdom was supposed to be. So a lot of time you'll hear an argument of, does this belong in Animal Kingdom? And I do think it does. Based on the original concept for the park, they were always including fictional elements of nature. Mm-hmm. Now, you can argue till you're blue in the face, was Avatar the right choice? And we can have that discussion at a later date. But I do think it fits the vision for what the park is trying to accomplish. And ultimately, it's conservation. And ultimately, that's the theme of Avatar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And we can talk about that now because that was a big point of something that I wanted to bring up is when we talk about Pandora, you know, I'll be the first one to admit, I thought that bringing Avatar into Disney was very interesting. I thought it didn't necessarily make sense. You know, I was wondering, are they just trying to do this because they can make it very immersive? I'll say you know, Pandora is one of the most breathtaking and probably immersive lands that Disney has because of all the time and detail and attention that went into it. But the more you think about, you know, this new land and then even the story of Avatar, you know, the whole thing is about conservation. And the more that we learn about Animal Kingdom, that is the whole message behind Animal Kingdom and everything that they're trying to promote, everything that they're trying to show you, um, all of the animal programs and all the things that they do. It, it is all centered around conservation. So if you look at it from that lens, Pandora being in Animal Kingdom makes a ton of sense. And I think from that standpoint, I can really appreciate it. Um, And it goes with the Navi River journey, too. So we're going to get to that. And so and we talked about also that there's a lot of things happening in the theme park industry around this time. I think that Pandora was almost a direct response to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Do you agree with that? I completely agree. And I think a lot of other people would agree with that as well. Um, And maybe it was just a coincidence. I don't really tend to think that there's a lot of coincidences when it comes to uh, rival parks like Disney and Universal. I just I think it's tied too closely together um, because they are competitors. But I do think that with the addition of, you know, the Wizard and World of Harry Potter, Disney had to up its immersion level too, because I think they recognize that that was a huge hit and that was something 
that as a whole land, they were missing. They were lacking that. There wasn't anything in Disney that could quite compete with what the Wizarding World of Harry Potter had. And I think Pandora was that first taste that Disney gave us that, hey, we can do this, too. I just want to point out a couple of similarities. Okay. Both of these two lands had two attractions when it first opened. Well, I guess Wizarding World had three. Dueling Dragons was re it was an existing attraction but was rethemed to Harry Potter. Two brand new attractions in a quick service restaurant. So you get three broomsticks and Hogsmeade, you get Satuli Canteen. Both of those are far above and beyond a typical theme park dining location, especially for a quick service. Yeah. So I I think there's too many similarities. Now, what I do... So, Pandora opened May 27th, 2017. When was Harry Potter? It was 2011? 10 or 11? It was definitely before we went for your senior trip. So, that would be at least 2011. And I don't know how much before it was. Honestly, we I didn't look up that date. So now if we think about Pandora and where Navi River Journey sits, there's a couple of elements going on within this particular land that I think enhance the story that is being told to you on this attraction. The biggest thing is the timeline. I never realized this. I went back and watched a lot of the promotional material for when Pandora opened in 2017 and a lot of these discussions with James Cameron. If you had to guess right now, when does it take place? You know, we talk about in Galaxy's Edge, it takes place between The Last Jedi and uh, The Force, not The Force Awakens, the very <laughs> last one that now I can't remember uh-huh. the name of. When do you think Avatar takes place? Like, are you asking for a year? No, I'm just saying like within the timeline of Avatar, the one movie that they have released. You I, I couldn't even tell you. We just discussed I fell asleep <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> OK, this land in the Avatar setting is not after the first movie. It's not after the second movie, the third or the fourth it is after the fourth sequel of Avatar. Are they planning on making that many? Yes. So James Cameron has plans to release all these. Avatar 2 was supposed to come out, I think, this year or next. It's been delayed, of course, like everything else going on. That blew my mind that this is supposed to take place after all four of the Avatar films are complete. And the idea there that's playing into this land is that we obviously know all of these movies are going to be centered around the disruptions between humans and the Navi around conservation and mining and how do they coexist and both appreciate each other's culture and nature and, and everything that you have there. So James Cameron said it in a way that, It takes place after all the conflict has been resolved. Now the Navi are inviting us in with the help of what is it? Ace Mm -hmm. to teach us more about their culture and particularly about how to appreciate nature. I love that. I kind of love that. Now that is an interesting concept that it's almost like if you visited 
Pandora or Moara, which is like the base, I guess what they call it. Um, you're kind of ahead of the movies. So it's interesting to think about that, that we almost have like an inside sight to what they're working towards. Like they're working towards this almost like cohabitation where, you know, they can get along and like you said, appreciate each other. So that's, I mean, that's pretty cool. We did watch that um, promotional clip where he was with, um, Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg going through Pandora. And he had said, you know, he had thought of this land and this idea of Pandora and Avatar since he was like 17. So, I mean, that's a pretty in-depth storyline. So I'm not surprised he's going to try to do four video or not videos. <laughs> four YouTube videos. Yeah. yeah, I'm not surprised he's going to do a series like that. But that is interesting to think that as of right now, we only have one. So quick aside, do you wish Galaxy's Edge had done that? Had it been so far in the future that it was future proof almost because once Avatar is done, the the setting of Pandora still makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. It still fits with the timeline. We're already in a situation with Galaxy's Edge that. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen <laughs> the last movie, The Rise of Skywalker. Now I remember it. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen The Rise of Skywalker, you still see Kylo Ren. You don't see Ben Solo walking around. And to me, it's I wish it was current. That's what we were pitched on. The idea is that Galaxy's Edge would always be current with the movies. And I feel like they've already abandoned that idea. Should, you know, they couldn't give away. The ending to the trilogy, obviously, no. but I, I do like that about Pandora, that it is already built for the future and the movies are not going to change the story that is being told to you. Well, I mean, I feel like that had to have been a big selling point for Disney um, because they tend to like that. You know, even if we think back to when we talked about the storytelling and the history of um, Star Tours. You know, that was something that Disney really appreciated was that as these new movies came out, the story can continue to evolve. It can continue to grow that, like you said, it's never going to be stale. It's never going to feel old or like, you know, you're in the past. It's always going to be current. And that's like the one good thing that Star Tours has going for it. And I mean, I never thought about that with Pandora. All right. We've got to talk about Navi River Journey now. Yes. What's the story being told to us? <laughs> you, you were just going to jump into it? Yeah. I want, I just want to know so this, in your words, how you describe it. This is one of the most polarizing things I feel like about this ride, because a lot of people do say that there is no story. And I would agree to a certain extent that this is not a cookie cutter story where you get in the queue and you're set up for you know exactly what's going to take place. Um, you have to do a little bit of inferencing. And again, it's important to understand what Pandora and what Moara is, that it is centered around conservation and, you know, cohabitation and, you know, the mining and all of those other things that you already mentioned, because that plays into this ride. I mean, essentially that is the story is that you are getting that inside look or that inside tour of 
Moara and you are getting to see, you know, all the bioluminescence plants, <laughs> you're getting to see all of the different animals um, and those interesting creatures that live there. And you're seeing how they are able to coincide with each other. And I mean, it's just giving you that Im immersive look to it. Now, is that necessarily a story? Is there a beginning, a middle and end? No, but I think it fits with the land and it fits with just the purpose. I mean, and the purpose I think was to give you a, a kid dark ride that's friendly for everyone that allows you to see inside Pandora. For once, we agree. I think the same thing. I think it's an extension of the land mm -hmm. is really all it's meant to be with an extra shaman thrown in there. I mean, they had to give you something extra cool to make you want to ride it. You know, like that extra surprise at the end that you weren't expecting. And I, I mean, and it is incredible. You know, I think this is the only time the only instance in all of Pandora where you get to see an avatar to scale. Um, Cause that was one of the biggest issues when they were doing Pandora is that these avatars are so big. Navi. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> that these Navi are so big that they can't just like walk around and things like that. So to me, that's one of the most interesting parts about this ride is that you're getting to see the Navi and you are seeing how they interact with nature. You know, it's very peaceful. You know, she's coexisting with all of these different animals and, you know, she's not like building a skyscraper on top of them or something. Yeah. I, well, you do see the Navi in the queue of flight of passage in the tank. So that's the only other one that's to scale, but you're correct. They did not want them to be walk around characters because they're so skinny. They couldn't find performers to do it correctly mm -hmm. to how they did in the movie, which kind of a shame. I wish they would have found a way to do it though. I think that would have made the land even more immersive, but the shaman is your one chance to see a real life Navi. And it is completely convincing that she is real in her motions and her voice in everything. And so I think you have to view this from a storytelling perspective. It's just a tour. They have invited us in to their world, into the Valley of Moara, and they are showing us through song and through tour <laughs> who they are ride. and what they are about. So I almost think we don't have to overcomplicate it. And to be completely honest, if that's what it was and the attraction was three minutes longer, I would love it. It would be it's it's one of the most peaceful spots in all of Walt Disney World from a visual aspect, from a from all of your senses mm -hmm. the music is fantastic the views are fantastic i mean you it is complete immersion if we're talking about it from that perspective it's just over too soon and that's i think probably a lot of people's big problem with it is that 
I think we timed it once. It's what, like two minutes and 15 seconds long or something. It's it's pretty short. Yeah. It's really short and it doesn't, I, I think if it's, if it's going to be that short, people want some substance to hang on to. If it was longer and you saw more really cool scenes, I hate to do this comparison, <laughs> but you could compare it to it's a small world. Nobody complains that It's a Small World does not have a, a story. At least not too many people. Okay. They do to a certain extent. But the ride is so long that you get it by the end. You get that all of the children of the world are together. That it's a small world. That it's a small world. <laughs> and I almost feel like you would get that same payoff and you would get that same realization if this attraction was just a little bit longer. I almost just wonder if, you know, if it is talking about like co-existing and conservation and everything, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that the ride could have done to promote that or to showcase that more other besides what they did. And I don't necessarily know if they need to, but I just don't know, like, was there something that Disney missed, you know, that so many people just get off and say, Oh, this was a waste or they don't get it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. I, I'm honestly not familiar enough with the movies to say mm -hmm. what they should have done. And in two, three and four of Avatar, maybe we'll realize that there were so many more things that they could have done in this aspect. I mean, we haven't. Obviously, that's not the topic of this. They nailed it with Flight of Passage. They captured what the movie was about. and. I almost feel like this, the story of this attraction gets so overshadowed by how good Flight of Passage is. <laughs> Again, the same exact thing happens in Galaxy's Edge. People don't like Smuggler's Run as much anymore now that they know how good Rise is. Mm -hmm. And it's almost, I think, the same way is that you saw the potential and how immersive this source material can be that you're almost resentful when you get on Navi. It is that almost like a double-edged sword to be like, that ride is so amazing that everything else pales in comparison. Absolutely. I think it absolutely is like a cannibalization aspect to what Disney does is that they knock it out of the park. They put all the resources into this really, really great state of the art attraction. <laughs> you, you can't strike gold twice. You know, you can't catch lightning in a bottle every single time. And so they're stuck. And, and sometimes they do have to give you a smuggler's run or a Navi river journey to accompany these big mainstay attractions. And that, I think that's just kind of how it is sometimes. And I will say you mentioned state of the art and I don't want to overshadow the technology that has gone into Navi River Journey because I think that's a big part of making it so immersive. I mean, if nothing else, that is something that this ride has going for it is that you feel like you are on a riverboat and that you are in the Valley of Mawara. So I have to say that they did that really well. And I think all of the technology that they did pump into it does make a huge difference. So if you think about it from the beginning to the end, okay, the queue leaves a lot to be desired. You're basically just outside and you just wind back and forth. It's nothing again, 
and we hate to do this, but it's nothing compared to the flight of passage and what you experience there. But once you do get onto your boat, you know, it's very small. So it's creating that, you know, um, intimate, intimate kind of atmosphere in that space where that you are alone with nature. It doesn't feel like you're on a big tour with a lot of other people, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but each boat really only fits like six people, depending on maybe the size of the people. Probably four comfortably, I would say. It's two rows Mm -hmm. and you can fit two to four on each one. So it's quite small. And I think once you start riding, it's hard to tell when it's all lit up, but there are several layers of screens and projections and different things that allow you to feel like you are in that bioluminescence river. So there's a lot going on there. So I don't think it was necessarily a lack of funding or a lack of money that they got, because I do think they put a lot into it. I just think, you know, like that sense of adventure that you feel when you ride flight of passage, it's just not here, but it's not supposed to be. One other thing, and I hope this doesn't spoil the magic for some people, but from a logistical standpoint of what they were faced with, with this attraction, as I, this blew my mind when we learned this flight of passage and Navi river journey sit on top of each other. They're in the same show building. They were very constricted with how much space they have back there because of animal enclosures and just, you know, the logistics of, of how the geography of how things lay out. So if you think about it from that standpoint, they only have as much room to wind back and forth as the theater that sits on top of it, a flight of passage. So I, I don't, I would assume they were forced or it just, it was too good of a budgetary thing to pass up to put them in the same show building. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you, that, that maybe gives you a, a little more sympathy for how short it is. Yeah. And I agree. I think, you know, you have to work with what you're given and especially in the space. Um, I think that's something that, you know, Disney runs into an awful lot is just where the heck are you supposed to go? So I would agree with that. That's a good point. What other storytelling aspects do you want to hit on before we're done? And while you're thinking about that, I would just say you mentioned James Cameron thought of this when he was a teenager. Mm -hmm. The bioluminescent, I think, is the is the really the feature that you can latch onto from a storytelling perspective here. He dreamed of that when he was 17 years old. He woke up, he sketched it, he wrote it down and he's he's basically devoted his life to this and you can say whatever you want about the story and the dialogue and how long the movies are. But if anything, I think you can get a deep appreciation for how well this ride and the Valley of Moara with the, with the floating mountains, it was a dream that they brought to life and you can't convince someone that that's fake inside of there. I mean, it is completely immersive and completely true to his vision. And I think that's kind of sweet. 
The last thing that I wanted to mention, and it's something that we always talk about, especially with these very immersive rides, and it's always the music, because I feel like that plays a huge role in the emotions that you feel, the tone that is being said. You know, you talked about it being very peaceful. You know, the song that the shaman is singing is that it's very peaceful. Can you do a rendition? I'm not going to do that because I don't think anyone wants to hear that. But, you know, even though we don't necessarily know what she's saying, because it is in the Navi language, which we learned is its own language. You have 1,000 words. Which, who knew? It's very cool. They worked with linguists and everything to create this new language. But I think that music and how it, you know, flows throughout the beginning of the story to the end is a huge part of the immersion factor and just making you understand and appreciate kind of that same conservation storytelling that it's showing you. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. You want to let Are we done talking about the storytelling give our scores, give our listener scores as well? Yeah. So do you want to start with the listeners? Yeah, we'll do our listeners. So each week we put it in our Facebook group um, to give everybody the opportunity to submit their scores or their opinions for this attraction so we can read them on air. So if you'd like to be part of that, you can join us at Detour to Neverland podcast community on Facebook. The link is also in the show notes below as well. So let's start with Amanda. Amanda gave it a 6.25. I really enjoyed this ride. We got stuck for five minutes right by the big avatar and it didn't bother me at all i feel that this is a very immersive ride that the whole family can enjoy and i think that's a really solid point of that this is a family friendly ride where flight of passage is not necessarily that and i think it's important for them to do that galaxy's edge does not do that i mean and i do appreciate that with any land you know even with toy story land you know that's something that i feel like really needs to be taken into consideration is you want something for the whole family, something that everyone can enjoy together. And it's something that, you know, if they are really trying to spread that conservation message, you know, you want to start that at a young age and you need them to be interested in what's going on. And I feel like this ride does that. There's a lot for kids to look at. Um, You know, it kind of expands the imagination, you know, like what are these things, what's happening, you know? So I think it plays into, again, just everything that animal kingdom is going for. Next, our friend Jonathan gave it a five. He says it's a nice and relaxing ride, but it was not a must ride when we were in the park. I would much rather pick up a fast pass, fast pass for another attraction. With that said, it is a great ride that is very immersive in the Avatar world. Also want to note that Cece, his daughter, was not a fan of some of the creatures. So I would say that factors into my score as well. It could be a part of it. It could be scary. I don't remember what they're called, but like the tiger-esque kind of. I think they're wolves. Wolves. They have stripes, right? I don't know. That could be scary. And it is dark. It is quite dark because it's obviously bioluminescent. So I could see that. Our friend Kate gave it a 6.25. She says, I've only ridden it once, had super low expectations based on what others had said, but ended up loving it. Seeing the flora fauna of Pandora was amazing, along with, of course, the shaman. And I I think this ride gets a bad rap in the general public, but... 
when you're on it, I think you have to enjoy yourself as long as you didn't wait forever, which I said we wouldn't bring that up. But as long as you don't wait forever, I think you enjoy it. And I mean, I think that goes with any ride. You know, you need to form your own opinions. I think going into it without any expectations is always very smart because you don't want to base your experience off of, you know, something that you saw on YouTube or listened to on a podcast. You know, you want to experience it for yourself. No, you should take everything that you hear on a (laughs) podcast to heart. Uh, next is from our friend Stacy. She said, I love how peaceful this ride is. It's absolutely beautiful with all of the bioluminescence. I completely agree. Yes. Sean gave it a 7.75. While I think the movie is okay on its best day, I think what the Imagineers accomplished here was breathtaking, beautiful scenery, almost fully immersive, hard when compared to Flight of Passage, and a technical marvel will almost always ride this. And I agree. If Flight of Passage was not there... People would lose their minds over this ride, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just it's that double edged sword that we mentioned is just that, you know, Disney really just knocked it out of the park and it's a good thing, but it's a bad thing to every other ride that has to be compared to it. You know, every other ride that comes after Rise of the Resistance now is going to be compared to Rise of the Resistance and it is always going to fall short. Because you can't duplicate that every time. You just can't. Well, I hope they try. We can only hope. <laughs> and last one, our friend Katie gave us a, gave it a 5.25. Definitely needs more of a storyline or thrill, but it is some incredible imagineering and a top choice for relaxation. Have found myself caught in a long line for this. Two times I've ridden it and it was frustrating, especially after experiencing the all of Flight of Passage. That's the thing. You can catch this ride in a short line if you really want to you could rope drop it but otherwise when fast passes come out typically you can grab one for it late in the day and get on it same thing as seven dwarfs don't wait over 30 minutes for it and i think you'll enjoy it i would agree with that are you ready for our scores yeah i feel like a scrooge you are you are kind of a scrooge on this one i actually rated it higher than you did but i'm the same as katie i gave it a 5.25 and i'd say my lowest marks were for fast pass worthiness just because when you think about like the tier systems that they're doing now you know i would much rather have obviously a flight of passage kilimanjaro safari expedition everest than this one I mean, that's just how it's always going to be. But I gave it high marks for full immersion because I do feel like if you are trying to get the experience of being in Moara, then you have to ride this ride because it's one thing to be able to walk around and see the floating mountains and get that experience. But this is completely different because you do get to see the shaman and you do get to see those other creatures that live in this land. That reminds me of something that James Cameron said that really enhances this as well, is that he said that the beauty of Pandora really comes out at night, but not everybody can experience it at night. And Navi River Journey gives people a taste of what it is like, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really important note because, you know, Pandora at night is something everybody should experience. I completely agree. And I mean, pictures just don't do it justice. We have, we know a lot of great photographers. Brendan's a good photographer, but there's no lighting that's going to capture it just right. 
it's probably the most challenging thing I've ever tried to photograph. Now there is that. Um, but as far as other marks, I mean, I said don't change too much, honestly, just because I don't think they can change too much. I think the way that they did it, I don't really see how you could add a story to it. What without. if they let us go around twice? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll see. But I don't know if there's anything else they could add to it. I mean, I think it's jam packed. I think the technology is there. I think it's stunning. Maybe give us another shaman. You know, put two Navi in there, one to start and one to end us off with. But I can't think of anything else. Are there two shamans? Could there be? I mean, there could be two Navi. I don't know how many shamans you're allowed to have, but. Yeah, I don't know how many, how many exist in, in this little town. But who knows? Maybe they need a shaman convention. All right. I gave it a four, which maybe I rated it too low. But I'm rolling with it. I trust my gut. I gave it low marks for fast pass worthiness. Same that you did. Nostalgia. I said it does nothing for me. You rated it higher. What kind of nostalgia are you pulling from for this? Ellie. I think riding it with kids. I mean, and that's how it is with a lot of rides. Honestly, depending on who you ride it with, you get a completely different experience. I think it is fun to go through and be able to point out some different things or just Look at how, you know, she takes it in. We mentioned besides this ride, there's nothing that she can really do in Pandora other than maybe eat. <laughs> well, eating Satuli is an experience in itself. It is. But I think, I mean, I think this ride is necessary. If nothing else, just for that reason. You don't like anything else that we said. <laughs> yeah. I also rated it pretty high in immersion. I give it almost full marks. One step down for I can smell the oranges instead of full immersion, mm. which it's probably full immersion. So I could maybe bump it up there. Uh, and then I said, so he's a bit of a fixer upper, but I had the same dilemma with you. It's like, I don't think they can. And I don't think they will. No. So it's almost there's no point in wishing for that because it's it's going to stay forever i think as long as avatar is there pandora if anything i would just love to see them maybe make an addition to pandora and maybe just give us another attraction or just something else that we could experience to maybe deepen that message or what they're trying to show us you know i think and maybe it's just because we haven't gotten to experience this in a long time but when they do have um like the actors and stuff they have the guy and you know what i'm talking about in like the walking um suit thing and he talks about conservation like that's his whole purpose for being out there um he's i think is that that's not the only live actor because they have like drummers and other people who do music which is a big part of this land and the entertainment but that's really it. So really, the only thing I can think of is I'd love to see just more. I agree. I think I don't know. We'll have to look at Google Earth to see how the <laughs> land lays out there about if they could do more. But I, I think it'd be great. The, the walkways leading into it are really long. Mm-hmm. So you'd almost think they could come back towards Africa. To expand that way, but who knows? There's probably stuff back there that we have no idea about. Yeah. Any other final thoughts on Navi River Journey before we move on? No final thoughts. 
All right. Well, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you got any sort of value or entertainment, or if we shared anything new that you didn't know, we'd really love it. If you're on YouTube to subscribe and turn on notifications for every new video that we put out. And if you're listening on podcast, giving us an iTunes review is absolutely the best way to help us out and to help share the message and to help iTunes know that they should push our show to more people. It's the best way to help us grow. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.